What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hi, friends. Missions Pastor Bob Landum here with you again today, looking at the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Yesterday, we studied verses 13 through 17. And in that short passage, Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. Now, embracing a despised traitor like Matthew with a home visit and ultimately into his inner circle aggravated the crowd of scribes and Pharisees no end. But Jesus' mission didn't include keeping self-righteous religious folk happy. Today, we'll look at verses 18 through 22. And once again, the seemingly powerful, the temporarily influential of their day were looking for justification for all the things they hated about Jesus. And once again, Jesus would not let their self-righteous arrogance and false religiosity to replace the truth of God's grace. So let's look at it. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, While the groom is with them, The attendants of the groom cannot fast, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the groom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. And then continuing with verse 21, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the patch pulls away from it, and the new from the old, and a worse tear. Results And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. You know, when I think about this passage, about the groom and fasting and patches and wineskins, I'm pretty sure the first dozen or so times I read it, I totally miss the significance. Briefly, and first of all, the Pharisees had lost all semblance of the purpose of a fast. To them, the fast had become a point of pride to show others just how holy they were. You know, I'm guessing Matthew was thinking about this when he shared Jesus' teaching on the mount. Jesus said, When you fast, do not put on a gloomy face like the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be noticed by men. See, that's all fasting was to the Pharisees, a way to be noticed by men. But there's a larger truth in Jesus' reply to the Pharisees, so we can't miss this. He's telling them he is the bridegroom, and his bride is ultimately all those who will come to him in repentance and faith. See, that, that short back and forth hardly registers with us today. But the scribes and the Pharisees, they heard what Jesus was saying loud and clear. 
It might be something like somebody today saying, oh, I love old Rocky Top. And immediately we'd hear the tune, we'd think about the stadium and the flags and the players rushing the field, maybe our college days for good or bad. When Jesus said, you don't fast when the bridegroom's right here, those scribes and Pharisees, they immediately knew what he was saying. He was obviously talking about himself, and they would have been reminded of the passage in Isaiah, for your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. They would remember another passage from Isaiah, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Maybe they would be reminded of Hosea, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in justice, in loving kindness, and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. See, we might miss it, but there is nothing subtle in Jesus' reply to the scribes. He is the compassionate groom for God's people, even those who were not yet God's people. And they... The scribes and the Pharisees were the unfaithful ones, soon to be cast aside unless they repent. Mark doesn't tell us how the Pharisees responded. I I tend to imagine grumpy old men with long white beards and steam coming out of their ears like a Looney Tune cartoon. Mark doesn't paint that picture. He immediately goes to Jesus' next statement about patches and garments and wineskins and new wine. Bottom line, Jesus declares it's all changed now. It's a new day now. It's all changed. This is the day you've been waiting for. All the talk of a coming Messiah has been fulfilled in this Jesus. He is the fulfillment. He's standing right there in front of him, the great physician. The bridegroom of Israel is bringing healing and restoration and forgiveness to the whole world. Maybe you can't fully comprehend this now, but he is God incarnate. Don't try to make him fit your dead, decaying system of religion, of laws and observances and rituals that cannot save, nor has it ever saved anyone from their sin. The scribes and Pharisees just couldn't seem to understand. The more they tried to make it about religious works, the further they got from God's grace. A new day means a new set of clothes, new wineskins too. You know, it's tempting to stop here, to agree together that scribes and Pharisees were clueless, boneheaded legalists in love with their own significance. And just thank God we're not them. But I can't leave this passage without considering the ways that I can stand face to face with this new life Jesus brings and try to make him fit into my old crinkled up wineskin. For example, I know Jesus calls me to generosity, to give and to share all that he gives and shares. But sometimes I struggle with an old wineskin of selfishness and fearful and scarcity thinking that it's my time or my meager talents or my financial resources when the truth is it's all his and I'm just a steward for a very short time. 
For example, I know Jesus calls me to forgive and to pray for those who may have mistreated me. Sometimes I struggle with an old wineskin of holding grudges, of remembering the offense, of keeping score, even rehearsing an insult. See, I can take up that offense, I can call it righteous indignation, and pretty soon I'm in a fantasy fight that would curl your hair. For example, I know Jesus calls me to never judge the motives of another, not to assume the worst about them. But sometimes I struggle with an old wineskin of profiling others by the clothes they wear, the stickers on their truck, or the weakest moments they have on a bad day. In all of these, and a few I'm not ready to share, I have to come to grips with this text. All of these remind me of how I can take the new wine of a new life in Christ, the hope of glory, and try to pour it into an old skin of stinking thinking that discredits him and leaves me broken and ashamed. Well, we're just starting this new year, friends. I'm I'm praying it will be a year of replacing old patterns of self-righteousness with new understandings of God's grace living in us, living in me. A year of replacing fear with gratitude that God is in control. A year of replacing working hard to gain God's favor with a season of resting in the faith and favor that only he can provide. Thanks again for listening today. I hope you join us again tomorrow as we continue through the Gospel of Mark. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.